There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. Hey, welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 380. Okay, head over to the Nerds channel right now uh, and see Lando Calrissian singing karaoke at Mos Eisley Karaoke Night with about 18 cantina creatures uh, and Patton Oswalt and Jason Schwartzman and myself and Skydart and a bunch of people. Um, this was a, a big thing that we worked on a few weeks back and rebuilt the cantina set for it. So it was all to sort of celebrate the kickoff of Course of the Force. So go over to the Nerdist channel, youtube.com slash Nerdist, and click subscribe while you're there. Because it's easy. It's just a click of a button. Uh, because we have not quite yet uh, mastered the art of the... Um, uh, the uh, mind mail telekinetic click yet But as soon as we do uh, I will let you know But for now you have to use your finger just one time That sounded weird um, I would like to thank for sponsoring this episode of Nerds Podcast LegalZoom Whatever you want to do uh, If you want to form a business Or if you want to create something You need to protect yourself And you can trust LegalZoom to help make that happen They've been helping Americans get personalized wills Powers of attorney, living trusts um, also incorporation, LLC, trademarks, real estate documents. It was developed by a team of experienced attorneys, and they're going to take care of you from start to finish. If you're a parent or an entrepreneur, don't wait. Call or visit LegalZoom.com and just see how easy it is to get legally protected. Isn't that a nice term, legally protected? Uh, LegalZoom can provide self-help services at your specific direction or connect you with an attorney, but they're not a law firm. For more savings, be sure to enter NERDIST in the referral box at checkout. That's LegalZoom.com, promo code NERDIST. Um, this is Char- It's a week of Charlie's, who also happened to be in Pacific Rim, which, by the way... I we saw it last night and I can't Matt Myra and I were like holy shit we could see it again it is I mean the billboards that you see do not do the film justice you've got it's f- stunning absolutely stunning I was nervous because I love Guillermo and I didn't want to be disappointed by it and I was absolutely not so I cannot recommend that you go see it enough it's one of those movies that you're going to want to see two or three times it's the scale of the creatures and the and the 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 Jaegers is it's fucking gorgeous. So, uh, I'm sorry for uh, gushing about it, but it is, I could not love it more. So, when we recorded this podcast with Charlie Day, who's also terrific in the movie, um, we hadn't seen the movie yet. So, we just saw it last night. We went to the premiere. So, uh, this, Char- and by the way, Charlie, totally uh, just fucking cool guy. Really, really cool dude uh, who is hilarious. And you should watch oh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia if you don't already. Um, watch it again after you go see Pacific Rim. Here's the Nerdist Podcast number 380 with Charlie Day, who we kind of look similar. It's like, I feel like I was we're like podcasting my cousin. Now entering Nerdist.com.
you want to put your headphones on or just like them around your neck? I want to look like a DJ while we do <laughs> I this. I like that. Yeah. Well, except that you lack any turntables or you even You can any... spin your coffee. Yeah, exactly. No, let me get I have an app. You have an app? You get yeah, your yeah, DJ yeah. app? Yeah, are there real yeah. DJs anymore? There are real DJs now. Sure. I think so. But it, but it, does it all happen? It all happens in the studio now, right? It's not like the mixing stuff. Well, they're now they're more composers, I guess, because Daft Punk you would used to call them DJs, and now they're just they just compose music. When I used to go to raves in college, here we go. Do you think a a DJ composer would like? Call himself a composer if he was standing next to like Philip Glass. <laughs> you know, like, I think he would. I think he you would. You know, he would, would he have the guts? Yeah, I think he would. He wouldn't understand why it's a shitty thing. Yeah, man, there was a guy. You know, composers like us. Yeah, there was a guy. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm Hans Zimmer. Who are you? Uh, Sweet DJ name. Hans. Yeah. <laughs> what club do you work at? <laughs> the Titanic. Uh, but uh, there was this guy named DJ Dan, and he had he would had he had three turntables, and it was this insane, seamless. I don't know how they get the. He'd have the headphone on, and then in one ear, rear, 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 and then bam, mix something in, flip the record, drop another plate on, put another thing over there. I saw Beck in uh, like '98, and his DJ like would do crazy shit and also juggle records while scratching records. Did he have two turntables in a mic? No, no, no. Beck did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the DJ, <laughs> I've himself, seen that guy. He yeah, was amazing. Yeah, I think that was was that a track. I can't remember. I think you have to like be able to pull tricks like that because you're not actually playing an instrument. So, <laughs> so you have to. yeah, so you gotta like really, you know, put some. Shine well, there are yeah. electronic bands now that I go when you go see them in concert. Is it just so you can point at them and go, "There they are"? Like you're just pointing. It's like an appearance. I basically. find that to be an awful experience. Yeah, I, I I did that once, not knowing, not realizing that there was no band and that the, this was just uh, like pretty much a guy pushing buttons. A yeah. listening party. Hey, oh. come over. I'll play some well, tapes. One of, the, one of the first hip hop groups I ever saw was Roots, and I was like, "Wow, live hip hop is like the best thing." to see ever it's fucking incredible and then i went and saw just like an mc with like a backing track and i was like yeah. this is the worst <laughs> concert experience of my life yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just you might as well just go out to the to your car and open up the back and then put a speaker in it yeah, you know, exactly. everyone just gather around yeah. and, and then put too many people around where you're not sure why they're there on yeah. stage and, and if you can get a towels. tupac hologram then <laughs> that's all oh, you need see, that's then you, you have a real party yeah could you get a Tupac hologram just to drive yeah. around the city? And... Yeah, just like just one for the so you can use the carpool lane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many times do people do this? You should totally do that on your show. You could, you know, see that's sort of the danger of, of being a writer EP on your show is that people are constantly like, you should use that. So you're but, like, oh, thanks. <laughs> How many times have you ever actually used an idea that someone's like, you should use that? Um, probably never. <laughs> probably, probably never. never. But I, Larry David did that. He he picked up a, a hooker. To use the carpool lane to get yes. to a Dodgers game, and in, that, uh, that episode, in Curb. did you the thing about that episode? It ended up um, like uh, making it, it turned out there was a guy that was accused of murder, right? And he was in that scene at the Dodger Stadium in that episode of Curb. Oh, that got him off. Yeah, yeah. That got him off. We haven't gotten anyone out of jail, so that's <laughs> probably uh, the opposite, if anything. Yeah, yeah. that could be. Yeah. It could be. So we're still trying to live up to Larry David. Well, see, that's that's how you should get. That's how you could get extras for things to be like. <laughs> Come get an alibi. Yeah. No one can say you murdered anyone today. Yeah, you know, you're not doing when you're uh, being an extra committing crimes, You're guys. not committing so... crimes. I just spent uh, five days in Philadelphia, and it's a fucking great city. And I always felt bad because I always just kind of sort of lumped it in, like, oh, it's one of those East Coast. But mm. you go there, and there's, there's a, a higher density of historical things 
in one small area. Yeah. Are you from out here? No, I'm from Tennessee. Oh, Tennessee. Yeah. Sure. So I live in an oldish part of the country, but yeah. not like... Not super old. Not not guys with buckles on their hats. I don't, I don't live yeah, in yeah, the yeah. origin story of the United States. <laughs> yeah, well, you're yeah. from the South where everything historic was burned down. Yeah, it was burned down. Right. Some That's of it right. we don't talk about Sorry. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Exactly. Yeah, you, yeah there, there, are, <laughs> there are some buildings in the South where it's a totally different tone that you have when you go to Philadelphia. You're like... Wow, this is where dot 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 happened. But in the south, you go and go. Wow, this is where they used yeah. to uh, yeah. Yeah, they do a horrible <laughs> yeah, thing. Youth all... center, and that just seems wrong. <laughs> There's always a whisper to it. <laughs> but Philadelphia, we went to uh, the Mütter Museum, which was oh yeah, fucking. Un- Have you been to the Mütter Museum? No. It's basically a medical oddities museum in the College of Physicians. Um, right, it's just right downtown, and it's fucking. Un- they have slivers of Einstein's brain. Oh, someone was just telling me about this the other day. Yeah, just yeah. like as appetizers when you yeah, come you come in, good. just a little, like, it just melts under your tongue. Like yeah. mm. It's like a real put a little jalapeno on it. <laughs> it's like uh... <laughs> makes you smata. <laughs> Equal sashimi squared. <laughs> the uh, they you know there's a lot of like weird fused skeletons and drawers full of things that were pulled out of people and. You have to open up these drawers? Giants and tiny people. Yeah, yeah. you have to do a modicum of work <laughs> Yeah, to see a bunch of... But there are these... This doctor uh, who removed things that people shouldn't have swallowed saved everything that he ever pulled out of people. And so you have all these drawers, and it's just all these pins, and you're just like, perfect attendance, just all these weird pins oh, great. that people swallowed and met medical oddities and... and uh, what else? It's so creepy and awesome. Yeah. Philadelphia is a city where I've seen the most blatant littering that I've seen oh, in really? any other city. I saw uh, multiple times guys like leaning up against a garbage can and then like finishing a sandwich and throwing. <laughs> like they could easily just let go. And but it he went been, the opposite direction. They just threw it to the side <laughs> like twice. I saw that twice. Yeah, that, that is the most blatant littering. And like, unless you were in the garbage can, I don't think there's any more. <laughs> yeah. And then a guy just like Ben Franklin came and sweeped it up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 There. Let's see, he went to there, Mutter Museum. The Eastern State Penitentiary, which is fucking unreal. Did you ever have you ever been there? No. I don't know why I assume like, well, because of your show technically, you probably Yeah. No, I'm not even from Philly. <laughs> I've never even been there. Yeah, I've been a couple times. <laughs> Some B roll shots, that's about yeah, it. Yeah, go B roll shots yeah. and uh... All right, I'm just gonna tell you one more thing because I'm very excited about it. The Eastern State Penitentiary is the oldest penitentiary in the country, and it was built in eighteen twenty four. And the idea, it was like a monastery, and they figured, oh, for people who've committed serious crimes, we will essentially put them, that's where the penitentiary comes from the word penitent. They wanted people to basically go and sit alone for two years to rediscover their humanity. Yeah. And they realized fairly quickly, like, oh, when you isolate crazy psychopaths, they just get angrier. Yeah. So two years to really sort work. of think about what you did, yeah. yeah, and how you can do it better, yeah. Yep. And so then the prison expanded, and it became more of like a communal. Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah, it became more like Philadelphia. Yeah. But it's a stunning, uh, it's a stunning thing. If you ever, if you're ever in Philadelphia, you should go to the Eastern State Penitentiary. You just cool. see the evolution of the prison go from this really nice, yeah. kind of a monastery <laughs> to this filthy. And they've left most of it just in ruins, and you can just wander around freely. It's really awesome. And what were those crimes too? You know, like everything. Uh, oh, in the early days. Yeah, you talk to a witch. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to think about what you did. Think about that. <laughs> I don't think she was a witch. You think about it. No, she's my sister. Well, you yeah. think, we're oh, speaking with her. So you're a witch? Yeah. <laughs> which family? Which? Oh, which family? She, uh, I think it was horse thievery and um, yeah. 
murder stuff and stealing things. Forward thinking. A little bit of forward thinking. Forward thinking. Yeah. Some, the guy who first started the internet was put in there, um, and then we didn't actually get it after that. But it's, Philadelphia is an, amazing, is an amazing town. But let's actually talk about your show, which is more relevant than the actual city of Philadelphia. Sure. How <laughs> We talked a little bit about this in Monsters University, Junket. Did you, how did the pitch for the show come together? It's like, I feel like for a while, um, the show's partially improvised. Yeah. And so that was a... That was a thing after Curb that everyone was like, let's go make a partially improvised show. And then almost all none of them worked. Right. Well, I think the problem is that, uh, you know, we script everything really carefully. And sometimes, you know, four, five, six scenes go by without an improvised line. But we always try to improvise in the scene. So we will write something out. We'll write the entire episode, you know. Um, so we're not uh, improvising uh, a car crash or whatever's, you know, the the key sort of plot point in the story. And uh, and um, but then we get when we get down to set, we'll goof around and, and we'll you know we'll do a couple takes as scripted and throw it away. And that's sort of different than like the Larry David thing, which I think is he has like an outline and a road and, then, and like and a roadmap, sort of and they kind of go like that. Yeah, which is dangerous because what I what I've seen a lot of partially improvised shows fail at is that they let them go they i think you need a structure you need some sort of structure well, you need it out you well, need it out yeah because because what happens is the improvisers will naturally just start one upping even if it it takes the scene in a completely a direction that they can't possibly justify right it's like you know, argument, 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 argument. I was abducted by what? You were abducted right. by aliens? <laughs> and like they just a... spit out a crazy Right. And then they're like, all right, well, how are we gonna work this into the rest of the episode? Yeah, they yeah. need they're basically going for like the blackout line. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's how it works over on, on Curb. But yeah, no, we're 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 very sort of traditional. You know, we go into a writer's room and we we break stories and we, you know, um write outlines and then off those outlines, we kind of pitch jokes, and then and then we write scripts. But but your show is one of the shows that sort of established FX as, oh, they kind of actually do cool different stuff. And it seems like they were sort of leading the charge of cable channels who said, hey, we'll take a group of creative people and just sort of let them carry out the thing that they want to do and not get too involved. They have an amazing business mo- model over there, which really is sort of like here's a blank check, artists, and uh, make what you want to make, and um, you know that either comes out like Sunny or Louie, or sometimes it comes out like Starved, which we were teamed up with uh, when we got launched, and you know it came and went. But um, Dan Pasternak joint. Oh, was it really? Yeah, it was. No, oh, I don't remember. I was at IFC. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, but yeah, that's it's like the best way to work. Well, it, but it's very difficult for – it's very non-networky to not get involved. It's very – like everyone but, feels like they have to give notes to justify, yeah. I'm doing something today. It's weird to just set back. Yeah. no, And, the, and any time they did give us notes, they were actually really sort of good observations that were like, oh, right, we're, we're feeling that too. We're seeing that is wrong in this episode and we'll try, uh, try and fix it. But, um, uh, but the way they get away with that is they don't pay anyone anything. Right. You know, like they start out saying, well, here's $9. If you can make a TV show, go. You know. And, and for the and for creative for the artist, it's totally worth it cuz you're like, well, I I will I will take my payment in creative freedom as opposed to <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then and like ownership too, which was like it was a gamble, which is like, look, this is yours and we own it together and if it works, then you know, that's then you'll 
you'll uh, benefit. And uh, if it bombs, then it, you know we gave you a shot. And and you were, I think you would work harder because you're more invested in like, oh shit, you guys. If like you become more entrepreneurial and less like, oh, I just got a sweet check, and if it doesn't work out, I don't give a shit. I get paid a lot of money. Like you, or you earn it. I think, yeah, I think uh, money can kind of spoil things. Do you want me to keep hitting the microphone like yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good yeah. For, uh, I can move this one over there too, just so you can do a couple it, of days. Yeah. Just, if you want to just have one hand on that one too. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of banging on the table is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like uh, constantly, I'm like giving this thing a hand job. Podcast stomp. <laughs> get some keys. I remember the uh, when the tape was floating around of uh, the like original kind of pilot thing that you guys made. Right. I remember it was like it was just a, like you know like friends um, like B J Porter was like a writer on Mr. Show. He's like he's like he's like I have this tape, but these guys made this show on their own and then like sold it, and it yeah. was like it was still it was based in Los Angeles. Right. And uh, we- and it was I think it was like you it was like you guys were trying to get dates. And so you like you were acting like you're doing a casting session. Was that? Yeah, the yeah, that was our actually our second episode. We did two episodes on our own. Okay. And I think it was the second one that that we sold. Actually, we we did it three times. We did it once uh, with David Hornsby playing the character of Mac. He's a, a writer producer of ours, and he sometimes plays this great guy named Rickety Cricket. Um, but uh, so. Uh, we shot it. We shot it in our apartments. We were all holding the camera, real sort of cheap and handheld. But again, it, it was it was scripted beginning to end, and then we would sort of riff and find better versions of the dialogue, you know, while doing it. And then uh, we looked at it and we said, "That's not that good," which I think is a, is something that people don't do. Like yeah. oftentimes, yeah. like people will hand you something, and be like, "Look at this! It's yeah. the greatest! I did it!" And uh, that's the internet. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, that's yeah. what it's become. And, and look, fortunately, we were like really before everything was just sort of getting vomited onto the internet. Yeah, it was pre YouTube. Yeah, it was like just when YouTube was uh, getting going. So um, we looked at it and we're like, "Oh, this isn't great, but if if we can get it together to do this one more time, I bet we can fix these little problems." We did it one more time, and we're like, "That's pretty good," and that's what—that's the one we started showing like our agents and things, and everyone was like, "Yeah, we see a show in there," and we waited forever to get like teamed up with a Hollywood name to help us go pitch it. Like we were waiting for like John Favreau to look at it, or um, I'm forgetting the guy's name—the guy who ran Sex in the City, um, Michael Patrick King. Yeah, I think so. You know, like uh, there are all these sort of like people who were available in the business at the time. This was before Favreau really blew up as a director. Um, who certainly maybe would have helped it, but we were just waiting and waiting. And while we were waiting, we're like, fuck it, let's just do another episode. I can swear here, right? This is, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 this yeah. is. I don't appreciate it, but yeah. <laughs> Jonah has very sensitive yeah. ears. Yeah, I'm sorry, Jonah. I'll be, I'll be more tender with you. You t- take your headphones off every time. That's you what I told it. you. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> so Jonah, we said, oh darn it, let's just stop waiting and do another one. Oh, that's um, just so nice. <laughs> yeah, that's the one I think you saw. The one where the, where the guys were like oh, having a fake casting call to meet. Girls. Yeah, and they were just bringing them all to their apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, re- I, I remember really. Like, everyone wanted to hate it. I yeah, mean, I'm everyone, sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Like these guys just fucking do it, and then like, oh, fuck. Well, that's that's the art. Of, that's sort of the uh, that's sort of the, the jealousy gene of like, who do those guys think they are doing a thing that I probably should be doing, but I'm not <laughs> yeah. doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. How dare you try to get ahead yeah. when I'm over here drinking every night, thinking of ideas? Hey, that I. <laughs> that's a bad. That's a bad gene. You gotta like try to squash that because then you don't uh, do anything. You know, you shut yourself down. I think with that. Well, it is. It's it's a bad. Uh, not only does it does it crush creativity, but it also then it gets you working from a place of I don't know a, a little more desperation rather than like hey I should just go make a thing. I I think you 
I think everyone should collaborate with everyone. I, I think collaboration is the best. I mean, that whole... I do this and fuck those guys over there. I, n- yeah. I never understood that. Yeah. I mean, I think we all have it. You know, you all see like Justin Timberlake hosting Saturday Night Live for the um, millionth time. And you're like, this guy, here he goes again. And then you sit and you watch it and you're like, hey, he's charming. Yeah. He's good. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> he's super yeah. talented. Great voice. He, yeah. He can sing and dance. I was like, I want to be friends with him. Yeah. You know? It goes from fuck that guy to oh, fuck this guy. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. So if you can shut it off, it's good. I think if you hang on to it and then, you know. Well, it's almost like the watching people succeed succeed can be like a negative mirror in a way where it just reminds you of all the things you're not doing mm. or reminds you of all the things that maybe you're not good at or I don't know it's yeah. I, I, but but it's definitely I mean again and that's a lot of the internet <laughs> yeah well like, that's yeah. what the internet finally there's a place for people to vent about that kind of stuff <laughs> where did people vent before they, you know <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I feel like bathroom graffiti's gone way down yeah like, there are yeah where people used to vent do you think there was bathroom graffiti like uh like like there is Twitter you know like Mark Hamill would walk into a bathroom stall and be like yep. Star Wars sucks he'd be like Star Wars sucks yeah sure and then someone would uh, basically, you know, he'd write, uh, eat my giant hairy balls. And you go to a gas station across town and it would say RG for re-graffiti. Uh, <laughs> eat yeah. my hairy balls. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. They were basically, graffiti yeah. was comment threads. Those yeah, were the comment they, it was threads. their hashtags. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> we did it before. Well, they were, uh, I think I think there was a story in, the in maybe it was in Team of Rivals, the, Lincoln, the Abraham Lincoln book. But apparently Lincoln uh, seemed like kind of an affable guy in public, and he was a good storyteller. But he he didn't apparently he wasn't like he didn't swear. He wasn't you know mm-hmm. he wasn't like a commoner. But uh, I guess he told one story where there was a picture of George Washington hanging in in the outhouse in an outhouse, and there was like his his reasoning was something along the lines of like. Nothing makes a British man shit more than the sight of George Washington. It was just like one of those clever. <laughs> Even back then, they yeah. would hang stuff in the in the bathroom. That's good. Doesn't it feel like we invented that? But that's probably been going on since we started walking upright. I think so. I don't know. Did, weren't I feel like because bathrooms sort of happened after this country, right? Otherwise, there was sort of holes, weren't they? Just no, like I'm sure in, like... in Rome, I'm sure there was, uh, they had bathrooms and stuff like that, but it just took too long to, you know. They have proper bathrooms in, in Rome? I'm sure they did. And they it's had really mar- hard to wipe your ass with marble. It is, yeah. yeah. It just smears just it streaks. around. It's just yeah. a little slide outside of it. You just got to kind of spread the cheeks and slide down. <laughs> That's where the first water parks came from, is yeah. they were actually places yeah. to wipe your yeah, ass. In the first graffiti, Caesar's a douche. <laughs> D-O-V-C-H-E. Yeah. Doofish. So you guys are working on the next season of Sunny now. Were you writing yeah. it now? Yeah. No, we're uh, editing already. Oh, you're editing We shot already. the whole thing, and we're ready to roll. Is that because uh, I remember the the Concord the flight of the, the Concords guys said that one of the reasons why they didn't want to come back and do a season three was like well because it's literally the entire year they have to write everything then they have to shoot everything then they have to edit everything then they have come a couple on. weeks off and then well, they, they also start to how are those writing. guys feeling about that now though like I always yeah. wonder about that like you know like oh I don't know it's like it takes up so much time I think HBO offered them a shit ton of money to come yeah. back because they kept saying no yeah but I honestly. They really didn't. It's funny. They worked so they worked for years to build up this thing, 
And then when they actually, when it sort of paid off, they were done with it. And they didn't, they really don't care. I think they really don't care. Well, they also had to make Still, a song. Every... did they not care for like a year? Were they like, <laughs> you know, like for like a year? They're like, we don't care. And now uh, like, you know, three, mm. four years go by. And people Maybe. are like, who would play the clunk cards? Maybe, oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, which sucks because the guys are amazing. They you turned know? down SNL. Like, they, I remember what, there was a story where they, um, their agent called them to tell them the HBO show got picked up. And they're like, hey, guys, the show got picked up. And they were like, oh. Can can we call you back? We're eating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. They right, just didn't right. really. I'd rather not. Yeah, but yeah. not. A, but but weirdly, they're such sweet, charming guys that it, it didn't. It, it didn't seem pretentious when they. It wasn't like, oh come on. Like it really felt like. Yeah, really. I don't really. No, yeah, it. I don't think it does come from pretension, but I do think it's like dumb. <laughs> like, I, I think it's really, you know. I mean, <laughs> I just want to. First of all, this, I'm sure everyone loves the show. They were super funny. I love the show. I yeah. enjoyed watching it. And uh, why not just a couple more? You don't have to do a billion of them. I also like, like. Did they have to do it so soon? They could have taken a break. Like Louis taking a year off. Yeah, but I think I think you know the other thing is that um, that first season I think was the. Essentially, the culmination of seven or eight years right. of work of right, like, the and they BBC have to write these and songs, yeah. and... and they they were tested, and they knew like everything was going to be. It was all their A list stuff, and then after that, it's like, oh, we have to do the we have to do eight years worth of work in three months. That's true because it's just like you know the first season was all songs they had already had. And right. The second season they had to write all new songs. It's just like you know software. That's why slump. second right. albums Sophomore. are tough. Yeah, second exactly. albums, are tough. you spend you your whole your life writing life, yeah. the first one. And yeah. Then after that, but you guys. You guys really just, that was your first, was that your first project together when you started making the, the yeah, episodes? Yeah, yeah. But so, we're nine years in, you know, 104 episodes, so like I hear these guys being like, ah, I had to work a whole year. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding me? Oh, but look, I mean, I guess if, they, if they're happy or they come from money, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I mean... They must. I don't understand. I never walk away from do, it. I think they do okay back home. There's I think good, in New like, Zealand, there's like good sheep farming there. Yes, and exactly. Fine. Well, Brett, Brett won the Oscar for the Muppet movie soundtrack. Yeah, so they're still and then, busy. And then he's in a traveling ukulele band that tours like New Zealand and Australia. So they're good. They really don't. They don't, they care. don't care. I don't they think they good. care. But the whole. I remember the whole time. That was the one time where I would get jealous in the sense where they would have these opportunities that I felt like I would do anything for those opportunities. And they were like, no. I'd be like, what? You yeah. know, like when you start to get selfish, you're like, just to do it for me, please. Just do it so that someone can I do it. You know, yeah. like, they don't, do, they have, do they have kids? Yeah, they have kids now. Yeah. But I mean, out. maybe there's good money in traveling ukulele bands. I don't know. <laughs> well, you, you don't know? hear so about them. They could be the one. Just enough. Yeah. Are they fulfilled in their lives outside of creativity and uh, being on TV? Probably. They live <laughs> yeah. in New Zealand. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're pretty... sticking to New Zealand. They're yeah. not moving to downtown LA or wherever. No, like... I think I see Jermaine in Silver Lake all the time. I think he's kind of. I see him all around. Is he hanging out? Yeah, yeah. See, like those, 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 those coffees are expensive. They are. Man. Who's you know, gonna pay for those? Three, four seasons would have helped that out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, coffee yeah. for life. I think. <laughs> How do you? I think you'll be you'll be an amazing person to talk about this. But but uh, I always ask writers about pushing and comedy people about pushing through the wall when you've done so many seasons of your show and it's like. What the fuck is left where you just feel empty and but you're sitting in front of a computer or, or however you write and you have to write something by the end of the day? That's the that's the only reason you get it done and that's the best way to do it. I, look, I don't know. How's Woody Allen been making a movie a year for 
you know, however many years he's done it, or how did uh, Larry David do that many Seinfelds? We, we only, we're only doing 10 episodes a year, so I think we can come up with 10 good ideas in the course of a year. You yeah. know, um, but yeah, it does. It is true. We do walk in there and say, gosh, it's the ninth season. We've done absolutely everything. But last year, in our eighth year, we were just sort of backed up against the wall, like like you're asking about. And then I think because of those uh, limitations, I suppose, had to sort of dig deeper and find better things. I think it's like one of our best seasons we've ever done. So um, I don't know. They're good problems to have. It's good to be out of ideas. It's the only I, way you come up with an idea. I guess that's true where you have to – It's something gets in the way between the creative part of your brain and the part where the ideas come out. Where and if you spend so much time going – I don't know what to write about. Then right. that's essentially what. Well, you're also, creating. I think the good thing is get yourself on the hook for it. You yeah. know, like uh, take money from people uh, <laughs> and and then be like forced to write. Otherwise, I think then you do pull like sort of a, you know, a British office or a flight of the Concords where you're like, I don't know, we did it all, we're done. And I get that. Like you do feel like you're done. And we, I felt like I was done after season one of the show. <laughs> we're like, well, we, that's all the ideas. Boy, I it, I always wonder if it's where I was uh, the, over the weekend. Uh, I was I had this I drove up to Santa Barbara and so I had Sirius the Sirius XM on and I was listening to classic vinyl and it was John Fogarty weekend so John Fogarty basically picked a bunch of songs that he liked and he was promoting some of his new his his new stuff and uh and I wonder you know I was listening to it and he was sort of talking about it like it was like the best stuff he had done in a long time and you know it was okay it was all right sure but I but I also you know you kind of get that thing where you go when I get older, am I going to think I'm doing the best work I've ever done, but it's not really the best work I've ever done? You should done? always, like, it's like, that would really be a shitty feeling if you're like, it's like, ah, oh, it's it's all right. It's not like I used to do, though, because that's a real <laughs> sad spot in your life if you're thinking that you weren't as good as you used to be. No, 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 yeah. I know that. But I, but I, I, but I, and I'm sure when he's listening to it, he's like, this is the best stuff we've ever, everything's really tight and everything's really sounding great and everything's really, mm-hmm. you know, but there's just some magical element about it that's not time and place probably is that magical element you You think so yeah Yeah. i think that's a big part of it like um you know all his music all that sort of music of the 70s and uh you know late 60s early 70s was just like a great time for me it's like uh hip-hop you know like uh it's very cool right now i'm sure to be jay-z but like to to like be uh nwa when they're first coming out like be part of like a cultural movement i think that i I completely agree yeah that the music was tied to something it was about something and so when you hear so like if you hear a fogarty song now you go, oh yeah yeah it's very technically proficient it sounds really good there's a little bit of a soul that's missing and maybe that soul was the sort of cultural fabric that it was attached to that's that's a really good point but instead of like singing about vietnam but people are like which war are you singing about there's like three of them singing about which one (laughs) the secret one in south america uh secret war you got a secret (laughs) war song secret war song cool let's hear that hold on a lot of songs about the moon lately uh (laughs) (laughs) there really was i think i think the song was about a train or the moon or Really, yeah. really. I mean, he knows something about the moon we don't yeah. know. You know? <laughs> moon train. But if you think about it, um, you know, when you heard, you were probably you know young or like you know he was a young guy when he was making the Creedence songs, yeah. and stuff like that. So you know you don't know what he's writing about now. He's an older guy. Maybe when you get to that age, you'll kind of you'll go, oh yeah, trains, man. I get it. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. You're absolutely yeah. right. 
That's yeah. Totally There's a lot possible. of movies I watched as a kid that I thought I understood, and then when I had more life experience with you know relationships and family members dying and stuff like that, then you watch the you know those movies again. You're like, oh, that's that's why he couldn't get back together with her. There was too much emotional baggage between the two of them. I watched Waiting for Guffman again last night for maybe the millionth time in my life. And uh, have you ever seen that movie? Of course. Right. And. Uh, it was the first time that I really picked up on, you know, how Bob Balaban plays a sort of uptight music teacher. Yeah, well, I I love I always loved the movie, but I never sort of kind of picked up on they were saying like he was really brilliant, driven guy that everyone's sort of ignoring. They're ignoring him in rehearsals, and like he wants to run the play, they never let him run the play. And then when you see his aspect of, of the job that he did in the show, it's like concert level yeah. quality. You know, it's like bassoon players yeah. and people in chimes and cymbals. And, and he has this whole sort of like uh, orchestra going and it's like really efficient. And then I never really picked up on that. That there know? was a like, difference between. Yeah, that, that I, like sort of now after writing so much, I see like, oh, that's what they were going for. With well, that that's, moment, that, that's, you know? that's the joy in a movie like that is that it's so full of of gems that's true <clears throat> that you could you could watch it 10 times and, and see a slightly different movie every single time depending on what and, you're and i think on. also like just life experience you can always go back and see yeah. movies and i like a, that and so what's like like the I feel like those songs. I think Moon Train is the perfect example. Like yeah. that's the perfect name of what that type of music is like. Because yeah. you uh, you picture him describing it, and when you're younger, you can't figure. It's like, yeah. well, Moon Train's all about taking a journey, and it's like sometimes <laughs> yeah. you feel you're going, and, and you're a young person going, "What the fuck are you talking yeah, about, old man?" Yeah. Then you get older, and you're like, "Oh, Moon Train, yeah, fucking it's Moon your train. last thought before you die." You yeah. know? <laughs> oh, life is a Moon Train. Getting on the Moon Train. Yeah. <laughs> I think you probably go. It's like a a whole cycle. You start off saying, "What the fuck is Moon Train about?" And then you get a little older, like a late, you know, late teens, college age. You're like, "It's definitely about drugs," you know. (laughs) And and then, you know, and then you grow out of that. Yeah, you grow out of that phase, and you're like, "What the fuck is Moon Train about?" You know, it's about family. And And then then you're like, "Oh, I get it. Yeah, it's about loss and family." And then you're really old. And you're like, I think it's about drugs again. <laughs> and then you're like, what the fuck is Moon Train about? And then you die. Well, yeah. that's yeah. that's why. And then you get on the yeah. Moon Train. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's then like, you're on the Moon Train. And then you're like, yeah. I get it. And it's that's like, like that. you drop the snow globe that has a Moon Train in it. Yep. And you die. And they go, moon next train. stop, Moon Train. And it's like the Twilight Zone episode of Willoughby where the guy keeps going to that really nice town. Right. And it turns out he died now on the train. Now you get it, yeah. Spoiler alert. Fogarty is the conductor. It is. Hop the... <laughs> <laughs> on the Moon Train. That's a perfect... That is the perfect metaphor for for what that is, and you. I guess you always. I think as a rock band, you should just write purposely cryptic lyrics because everyone will assign their. I guess like if you, you know, I think if you ask uh, Led Zeppelin about Stairway to Heaven, I think they're just like, well, it sounded cool, you know. To them, uh, yeah, just, but yeah. everyone else is, oh, it's got this meaning. Well, that was like every Kurt Cobain lyric. They were just like, what is he talking about? And then every story about them in the studio is just him going like, fuck, I got this time to put down lyrics. Yeah, just like yeah. yeah they recorded Nevermind in like a week. Yeah, exactly. Do you find that people? Uh, I mean, Sunny is one of those shows that I'm sure people can watch the same way and see those really great ensemble casts where everyone is has a really strong point of view and is a really great performer. You really can watch, and then just every you can focus on a different character each time and just feel a different story. I, well, I hope so. I mean, I think we have the sort of the opposite experience where we're constantly trying to lace it with like backstory and subtext and like social meaning and like sort of all these sort of like themes running throughout episodes and people are like dude I love that moment where you fart really loud and throw up (laughs) (laughs) you know I think it it all goes miss it's not not the farts what the fart represented yeah it's all the not farts Mm. yeah 
It's the negative space. Right. Then we're in the editing room and we're like 12 minutes long. And we're like, all right, cut out all the social reference and we'll get right to the uh, point where I vomit. And the editor's like, take out the commentary. Put the fart in. Put the fart in right here. Yeah, yeah. Cut out 12 minutes and put the fart in. Fuck it. Yeah. Guys, we have 21 minutes of straight farts. Are you sure you don't want to go through? Yeah. And the Emmy goes too. I know. Somebody else for a decade. For a decade. That's what it's been. That's that's what it is. God, you guys were on. How long was Cheers on? Was it nine or ten years? Uh, twelve or thirteen. I think twelve. Was yeah, it twelve? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's. Did it start in like seventy nine? Did Cheers start in like seventy nine? Eighty two. Well then, uh, then it couldn't have been twelve because I think the last season of Cheers. This is where Matt Myra would become very helpful because he knows true. every episode. I think it was ninety one or ninety two. Okay, yeah, maybe eighty to ninety two. I'm pretty sure it's twelve years. God damn yeah. it, yeah. Katie! Can we get a confirmation on that? Started in nineteen eighty two. Oh, sorry, that's Eleven years. So you guys are almost. Che- you're almost cheers. Almost, except they did like twenty two episodes a year, yeah. and sometimes we're like, you guys want to do seven or? <laughs> <laughs> you want to stretch this out? Yeah, yeah. Just like, Let's keep it. Tight. It'll take us just as long to do like a third of what they did. But yeah. now, but that does that does that allow you more time? I mean, obviously, if you since you did Pacific Rim, you yeah. must you must have had a substantial chunk of time. Yeah, it allows us a lot more time, a lot more time. Uh, it's a little tricky sometimes. Like right now, I haven't been in the editing room for a week. But the good thing about there being three of us is we can kind of um, pass it around. We just all have to be there for writing and shooting. Um, but yeah, I guess with Pacific Rim, uh, let's see, we'd finish the season. We just started later. Yeah, we just pushed our season a little later. And uh, Caitlin Olsen had another baby, and I did Pacific Rim, and... Uh, one Caitlin Olsen had another baby. She's just, just spitting him out. <laughs> and we're like, we're not going to write this one in like we did the sixth season. That was really difficult. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, so I had time. I had time to do the movie. Was it uh, – I, I imagine that working with Guillermo was probably an insane experience because he's just like a big kid. It's it's unbelievable. He's like, the, yeah, or he's he's like a twelve year old kid for sure. But he's as that te- just discovered swearing. Yeah, 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 with a cartoon Mexican accent. Yes, you know, he loves to talk about like swears and dicks and butts. Um, but uh, he's so incredibly talented. He's incredibly talented. He's so much smarter. Than anyone I've ever worked with. <laughs> <laughs> Is there now? I'm wondering. So when you work with Guillermo, do you go back to Sunny and you're like, guys, I have all these crazy ideas. Just like working. Just the- I go back. And I'm like, guys, we are all so dumb. <laughs> We're so dumb. He's read everything, and I don't mean like a lot of stuff. I mean everything. All the books. Everyone. Um, no, yeah, we stole like a bunch of his camera moves and like we did a, a Halloween episode and it was supposed to be a little darker and moodier and, uh, Guillermo actually did a, a little guest appearance in this was in the eighth season and I, and I, we shot it regular, like, like we would shoot a regular episode, but, but I also did sort of Guillermo takes where I was like, guys, okay, now I just want to get one take where the camera's slowly spinning then pushes in on this guy here. Like, cause it, his, uh, staging camera work is just mind-boggling and beautiful mm-hmm. there's actually one sequence in the movie where uh you know i get knocked to the ground and my glasses fall off and i'm scrambling to find them and he built like a giant pair of glasses you know like hitchcock style and put them in front of the camera oh, oh that's wow awesome. yeah and uh and i'm like pretending to find these things which are bigger than my living room couch and i saw the shot it's like two seconds in the movie but uh but the glasses are big in the frame, and I'm big in the frame. He was filled with like tricks and moves like that. Just a guy who understands cinema and knows what he's doing. And wow. uh, 
And look, I know I'm certainly like promoting the movie, but I, I saw it uh, in... I kind of wish I wasn't in it so I could tell people how awesome it is. <laughs> oh, because no one's going to believe me? No, no one's going to yeah, believe yeah, me. And, yeah. um, oh, sure, your movie's great, yeah, like, yeah, like Fogarty's yeah. album. Yeah. Right. No, no, this is my moon train. I, this is my moon train, people. <laughs> uh, but I saw it in London, and I'd seen like r- like rough assemblies, and I was like, oh, this is going to be fun, it's going to be big. But I saw it in London, and like... Um, I, like cried, <laughs> like there was like a moment in the movie where I got choked up. I was terrified. I was thrilled. I was laughing, and I haven't felt that way. I hate that this is my. Mo- I hate talking about my own movie like this. But like I haven't, I haven't felt this way since like well, maybe let, Jurassic Park. Let's pretend oh, you're wow. not in it. Let's pretend it's Aaron Paul because we're all interchangeable. Love white Aaron guys. Paul. Yeah. Love Aaron Paul. Okay, yeah. I wish Aaron Paul was in it. Um, <laughs> uh, it's just so fun. Just like and and I've I personally my uh, aside from Pans, which is just like this perfect little art movie, Pans Labyrinth. It, this is my favorite Guillermo movie. Oh wow! Yeah, he. I, yeah. I feel like he's just getting better and better at what he's doing. Well, he used to, you know, I think one of it's it. It'll be really exciting to see him what he does because I'm going to the thing tomorrow night. So, oh great! To see what he does with an actual huge budget film because yeah, so much of what he's done in his in a lot of his career is. To basically do high budget, low budget movies, right? Yeah, where it's like he doesn't have a, a ton of money, but it just it's so immersive. And yeah, it like looks the like Hellboys, pro- he had like the same budget we had for say Horrible Bosses, but he, right. he made it look like a giant action movie, exactly and, with yeah. tons of creatures. And, yeah. and so to see what to see him be able to essentially scale up like that, yeah, is, I, I'm really really excited about it. If, if anyone, if it were anyone else, I might be like. Oh, I don't know about this, but I know. It's Guillermo. You know, this has been such a weird like the marketing campaign doesn't do this movie any justice, which is uh because it's real you can't capture the scale of what this movie is well, it's on a, your home TV. It's it's no. such an it's such a new I mean, like the Kaiju movie is obviously not new, but the idea of, of what it is, of, yeah. like this story is I, I'm sure the marketing department's probably like how do we? I mean, it's all new IP. Yeah. It's all new. There's no recognizable anything in it. Other than giant monsters and giant robots, so they must be like, well, because there's just basically giant monster robot posters all over town. Yeah, which look, that's it. You know, it's definitely a giant ro- robot monster movie, but it like it works, and that's that's yeah. the thing. You like you don't expect it to work. You see it, uh, the poster, you're like, eh, I don't know, yeah, I don't know. But if someone told you, no, it, this is, it's going to be a crazy ride, and you're going to want to like cheer and clap and like <laughs> throw your popcorn at the screen, and, like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, but yeah, it's tough. I, like I feel like the only way to really have commercials for that is to drag everyone to like an IMAX oh, wow. <laughs> and say go watch it there. But I, I, I just I envision you going back to the sunny writers room and be like, guys, we need robots. Yeah, we need we need to build to uh, to defeat uh, a Devito. We created a Devito. You build like a Danny Devito robot, and he has to fight himself. See, our problem is we have the opposite problem. We we take a cheap show, and I think we make it look cheaper. (laughs) 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 Somehow we really botch that up every year. How do you start to – at this point, is it it sort of – you know the character so well. Everyone knows their character so well. So does it actually make the writing process – a bit easier because it's pretty it does but that's scary like um we we wrote the season really fast this year which freaked me out because i'm always like well there's we must be this must be lazy we did it wrong or um and it's tough to tell it's such a subjective business it's so impossible to know when uh 
when we've written a script and we're like, yes, this is the best thing we've written. And then we, you know, by the time we acted and cut it together, we're like, eh, it's not my favorite. And then it's sort of the one you whip together without any thought as quickly as possible that you're like, oh, that, that works. It's great. Yeah. It's, it's really, uh, I don't know. It's the, I, if there was a if there was an actual mathematical formula to it, someone would have figured that out by now. But it's it's this sort of intangible thing where you just start like throwing paint at a wall, and sometimes it works great. And then right when you think you know exactly how to throw paint at a wall, like you miss and you hit the door or whatever. I don't know. That's a really stupid <laughs> metaphor. No, no, no. Right? Like, uh, no, no, no. Fine. But uh, there works. is no spoon. There is no spoon, people. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I don't I don't was there a question or am I just rambling about no 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 not we're we're, 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 ta- we're talking about the idea and and you sort of you hit an interesting point particularly with comedy where it's you know you try to over engineer something yeah like okay that's all right and then the one time you're like oh you don't think about it it just like you just capture the lightning for a second in yeah. the bottle you're like where did that come from like you know those parts of your brain that you're not aware are active just make a thing happen yeah yeah and it's like this one little sort of dna uh strand that keeps you from like being brad pitt of an episode or or like brad pitt's like squirrely looking brother or whatever like i don't know <laughs> if he does have one or not but like it's the same- jo- josh pitt Josh Pitt, yeah, say, whatever it is. Like, it still sounds like a hot guy. Yeah, he's, Josh Pitt's probably fine. <laughs> yeah. But it's that fine line. Like, even like with, with Pacific Rim, when I was in the editing room looking at the rough cut, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's going to work. And then when I was in London, I saw it. I'm like, this is the greatest movie of all time. Or with an episode of Sunny where I'm like, ah, gosh, I, I don't know. And then we find like some sort of like musical theme. We're like, no, wait, it's all coming together. Yeah. It's, it's this really. Tough thing to nail down. You ever had an episode? Oh, you go. Oh no, that, but that's always such a weird thing where you're, you know, you you think something's funny and then you shoot it and then you get you'd have a first pass in editing. You're like, oh, we fucked up. No, this is unsalvageable. Yeah. This is the fucking worst. And then like it's like yeah, just like you said, there's like one thing and then it just kind of starts stitching everything together. Like, a little this might... manipulating. Yeah. The first time in an editing room, I always want to die. Devastating. Every it's episode devastating. since the beginning of the show. Oh God! I remember the very first time we saw an episode, and we're like, "We suck. <laughs> we are the most unfunny, untalented, unoriginal." You know, but like the, the, we had this like editor we didn't know that well. He put like record scratches in the cut. Co- you know, like, like oh, no, yeah, just like no. dog reactions. Where'd yeah. you get the footage of the dog? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, I used to have this really old bit because I fucking hated the record scratch, and they would use it yeah. all the time in commercials for sitcoms. They're like, "Guess who's dropping by Sunset Night?" <laughs> hey guys, what? Joop joop! And then it was that weird. <laughs> that I was like, yeah. it is no, it's such an outmoded form of technology. Yeah. So I'd always wanted to uh, throw in an Alpenhorn right there, where someone would say something, and go, "Hey guys, I brought the dogs." <laughs> <laughs> and I would just try to go I would go for like a minute straight <laughs> because it seems like if you're gonna like there people don't have jukeboxes anymore yeah. Yeah. where you go in and and bump into it because something crazy happened and it skips the record that doesn't happen it anymore just, there's yeah. no yeah the record scratch is a thing of the past really it did is. you choke the editor or fire him or did you or did you were you able to you know we were all so like devastated we couldn't even pinpoint <laughs> at yet like what it was that Everyone's was blaming themselves yeah yeah and it like it was us too. We hadn't perfected it, but we were able to cut it together to make it okay. But 
Yeah, it's devastating. Yeah. Well, and also, I, I, when you're in an editing room and you think it's, and then someone just has one idea. Oh, you know, actually, I remember we have a shot from another thing. Right. I wonder if I just drop this in here. All of a sudden, it's magically elevated. Like those moments are, you get addicted to those moments. I, I like. I wonder what it's like to watch The Godfather without uh, that like theme music. You know, <laughs> if you're like, yeah. this is the most boring, yeah. like slow. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you've seen that when people like recut. Have you seen the recut of The Shining? There's a great like YouTube Shining. video. Yeah, that sh- one. Shining with uh, um, Salisbury Hill. Yeah, Salisbury yeah, yeah, Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Salisbury that Hill. That, that contest, I'm your yeah. new foster father. Climbing up on that, I watch that thing nonstop. All the recut trailers are my fucking favorite things. Yeah, you live and die by that editor. Yeah. Like you really, he, he or she can make you. That's what's so scary about it, though, is you come uh, back yeah. with all this footage. Yeah, and there are an infinite number of combinations that you could put things together and get a result. Yeah, and most of them are not going to be good. And there's a handful that are good. And it's just trying to find. It's trying to find the David inside the marble. Basically. Is that what happened? Yeah. <laughs> it was already in there. He's like, let me just get into this marble. <laughs> Hold Holy on. shit, there's a good... I think that's what he... Isn't, that, isn't, that, isn't that what he said? Yeah, of the, that yeah. it was all about freeing yeah. the object He that saw was, what it was in there. He just had to, like, get... He just had to, re- he just had to, yeah. he had to release like, it. I wonder... Ah, uh, Dan. I mean... There's a great belief on us. I don't think it's an overstatement <laughs> to say we do the exact same thing, right? I mean... Mm. Yeah, hmm. I mean, it's literally the exact same thing, right, guys? It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's that important. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. It's that good. And I really feel like, you know, particularly podcasts will stand the test of the ages. I think, yeah, we'll they will lives. be carved out of digital stone one day. <laughs> yeah, the bummer yeah. part is that at least, you know, at least uh, uh, artists of yesteryear uh, expressed in media that would last, you know, in a hundred years or two hundred years, mm. if there are no disc players anymore, if there's no, you know, if the internet's changed, if file formats are different, you know, like uh, everything, all the th- the stuff we're doing is just g- is gone. It's disposable. You know yeah, what will you last? Know. You're Props. on the cloud. Props. Props. Prop comedy will last. Prop comedy will last. When all digital media has gone away, prop comedy will still be there. Who's laughing now in the apocalypse of the prop comic? Is there another prop comic other than Carrot Top? Is he the only guy? That's that's all I can think of. There are. got to be. There are prop comics. Jeff Dunham's going to do well. (laughs) Oh, don't say that. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's prop comedy is not as popular as it once was there's got to be as it's it not could like, be it's not like he showed up everyone's like well he did it and then just, <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just put, take my steam yeah. trunk and throw it off a bridge yeah, yeah. did you ever want to do stand-up no god no. no no terrifying can you imagine that'd be awesome you're like disgusting i hate the people that do it <laughs> yeah it's a horrible medium <laughs> the idea of it <laughs> no it's terrifying to me uh usually they are very sort of bitter angry people <laughs> I feel like a lot of like stand-ups are like really angry people. That world is angrier than I want to be involved in. But um, uh, no, I like I I was uh, like a theater guy. I wanted to be I I was certainly I wanted to be like Al Pacino, and then I just realized I look and sound crazy funny, and uh, <laughs> I should just embrace that. Charlie, he got Day. there too. He got there too. In, yeah, he turned into Day crazy Afternoon. Yeah, ah, I would hey be great. I would have been great. <laughs> he sounds like me in Dog Day Afternoon. It is a little bit like a high pitched thing. You know? Yeah. Do you have a would when when you're performing? Do you sort of go to a place and if it feels really familiar, you're like, oh no, I'm a caricature of what I thought I was. 
Do you feel like, do you go, do you have a performance mode or is you pretty? No, I check out. You know, like, I, it's, I think it would be pretty awful to be in your head about yourself while you're doing it. So it's, uh, I think, you know, I think I'm, I'm trying to just believe what I'm saying in the moment and, uh, and then I let someone else have opinions about what it. You- but I, Try not to have any personal opinions what about it. What do you do for doing fun? It. I mean, you have a ch- you have a small child. Yeah, I don't have fun anymore. I mean, like I just like, <laughs> I work and I change diapers. I mean, that that's kind of it. Is there anything else you? Is there anything else you want to do? Like in terms of? Oh, I think I'll start your your fam. I I read about your family's musical. Yeah, but I don't want to be one of those people who's like now I have an album. and uh you know not that you can't do that but for some reason it's always a little bit like eh, i don't know you you get like if you get this far i'm lucky enough to get this far in one profession like i don't want to be greedy and be like i'm but i'm also you don't want to you don't want to release uh my girl wants to party all the time well i could write something that good (laughs) but at the same time like jason schwartzman's uh coconut records albums are really good I'm sure they are. That's they're the thing. Real, they're That's, really good. But he started as a musician. That's true. He acting was his sort of. He tripped over acting. Hey, you know those she and him records? Not so bad either. No, they're good. No, that well, okay, good. See, so maybe it's my own yeah. sort of oh, insecurity about it. There's another guy too. Fucking, is, I think the band's called Dead Man's Bones or something like that. But it's an actor, not Gyllenhaal, but uh, Dogstar, Ryan Gosling. Is that his band? Oh, yeah, he's he he was like I think he's in a band called like Dead Man's Bones or something like that, and it's fucking like really interesting and good. Yeah, I think now is a time where because see, the, I so think you can do it. You and I grew up at a time where everyone was very segmented. TV people did TV, That's film true. people did film, music people did music, and whenever their people start to cross over, like, hey, what are you doing there? You know. Yeah, for me... Now everyone does everything. Yeah, that whole sort of phase where it was like Billy Bob was like, all right, well, now I'm only going to do country music. And you're like, oh, come on, man. Like, I I love you in movies. Like, why are you going to do... Fat Santa, too. But, like, uh, yeah, and then Zoe Deschanel is like, well, I'm, you know, I have adorable albums, too. And it's like... (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it's uh, that's my own baggage because they're actually, like, both great at music and... uh, and, and and good, so I don't know why I'm like. Meh. But you never know if you're going to be, you know, Dogstar or the Bacon Brothers yeah. or uh, you know anything like that. Well, but also, look in my defense, I have absolutely no desire to start a band. See, that's <laughs> so the thing. Like, you're starting a band now. We've already yeah. said it was Guys, okay. Don't make me do this. <laughs> I don't want to. Here's your, a jug. Start your, with that. Your band's going to be called Hard Days Night. The theme is that you show you dress in medieval. Uh, <laughs> songs from the point of view of a guy who's preparing for a joust. Now, see that I would do. That that yeah. it, that interests me more. Actually, <laughs> that's a great concept. Album. Yeah, <laughs> this would be a really good concept yeah, album. Yeah. I think it's like the uh, the upper crust is one of. I fucking love the. Oh, upper the upper crust, crust are great. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you remember the, remember the upper crust? Yeah, yeah. It's just like guys who play ACDC music from the point of view of of fops. Yeah, yeah. That's fu- and they fucking dress good. up like that. To me, would be a fun way because I I think particularly as a comedian, there's no real way to do serious music. Without people like, I think that's the one part. Yeah, where that's the other thing too. Like, if you're already like ser- like if you've been too funny, then people are, won't accept it. It's hard yeah. enough to watch a comedian. It's it can be challenging enough to watch them make the jump to dra- like to do a dramatic role. 
much less like right like sing love songs like you really sing, gonna go see yeah. Will Ferrell like sing like ballads <laughs> yeah. although that although that's the one that's the one guy that if he did it I'd probably be like well I'll you know I'll I'll take whatever he's serving I don't well, give... see that's good yeah this was he my own insecurities when did you when did you host SNL was it uh, eight or nine no it was later than that um eleven I think two thousand eleven oh it was just a November couple years ago two thousand eleven yeah was it a pants shitting experience or did, was it pretty much no, because I knew that it would be, and so like I trained my mind like an athlete to uh, like really make sure I wasn't nervous. So, and it was sort of just like this trick I do where if I get that like tingling nervous sensation, I have to sort of translate that into, oh, you're a kid on Christmas morning who's super excited to do this thing, and you can't wait to open this present, as opposed to. It's the fight or flight thing, as opposed to saying, uh, "Oh, you're uh, going to throw up and fail." Oh, and that's so, such a much. I never thought to do down. that before. That's so much better than the. I'm going to fuck this up. I'm going to fuck this up. Like, yeah, it's like, no, it's like it, it was. It was life saving. In fact, when Sudeikis and I were uh, promoting um, Horrible Bosses, he showed me an email from Lauren Michaels to Sudeikis saying, "Do you know Charlie? Is he a good guy? Would you ever want to host?" And I started to shit my pants, you know. And I was like, <laughs> my first instinct was no, and then I realized. I'm going to have to work hard on my head if I'm ever going to do this. And, you know, I had like the best week of my life, constantly telling myself it's a party. I'm so happy to be here. I'm having fun. You know, the fans of Sunny or whatever want to see me here, which is great. Uh, People just want to laugh. It's SNL. So some sketches will be great. Some will suck no matter what. And that's just what it is. Don't don't worry about that. And uh, it was like the, the best the best sort of acting experience of my life. So fun. Yeah. Magical place to be. Wait, I want to take this back to stand-up. Have you ever done Wait. stand-up? Do you do stand-up? Oh, yeah. I do, I've been doing you stand-up do, for like 15 years. All the time, right? Yeah. And you do as well? Yeah. Do you guys like it? Do you hate it? I are, hate it. Are stand-ups angry? You don't hate it. It's the... It's the I, I've been quitting since the day I started. No. I, it's my favorite thing in the world. And and I, and I the only reason that I still do it, because I really don't have time to do it, but I still... Because I, I pretty much work every day, and then every weekend that I'm available, I'm performing somewhere. That's why I was in Philly. That's right. I was performing at Helium in Philly, and it's it's my absolute favorite, favorite, favorite thing in the world. Well, because you get that audience interaction, and it's a big rush. And But also, stand-up for me was, you know, my, my young life had a couple – there were a couple of sectors of influence, and one was – you know, video games and chess club, and and then the other thing was like uh, stand up. Like I just had every stand up album, every stand up everything. It was like my obsession from you know the first time I saw Steve Martin on Saturday Night Live and the late seventies. The crazy part about it is though, it doesn't get easier. It's uh, you know, I always used to think that like oh, once I had a, like a TV spot or once I was on a late night show or once I did a half hour, and I've done all those things. I've done like you know a lot of a lot of it on TV, but. It's still like it just it just makes me gives me more anxiety. Like the more I do, the more like like I fucking freak out about it and get mm. real weird. It doesn't stop. Not me. It doesn't I, stop. I I mean it's it can be anxiety inducing, but I also feel like now we're just talking about ourselves. I'm sorry. No, but that's but, uh, but, I asked. Yeah. But okay, but but what's happened is that um, since my I did an hour special that aired last year, and then I had to start all over again with material. So I basically went on the road again in November with. 12 minutes of material but I had to fill an hour so it was basically just riffing and fucking around and fucking around with the audience and it's been so much fun 
to form the hour that way because it's every show is a slightly different experience and a new sort of opportunity to like oh I'll come up with bits and I'll get to I love the process of it so much I fucking love it so much see that's great and then some people always ask me about stand up and it's a different thing you have to train you have to learn it you have to love it you have to do it for years and years to get good really at it it's really not rewarding for a long time other than just that you're getting up and doing it it's not it's a lot of times yeah. you're like so am I going to tour? What's going to yeah. happen? Am I going to make money doing this? Right. You know, so it can be a little, you know. And we're all sitting here talking together, and you're all realizing now that I'm I'm painfully un- unfunny in real life. This is <laughs> this is You've like made me laugh several. I'm times. extremely serious person. This is yeah. This has really turned into like an NPR <laughs> interview. Good. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Are you doing the saxophone? Just any kind of weird, sad dissonance. <laughs> Today, our guest is Charlie Day of the hilarious. Oh, see, you have a good NPR voice. Always sunny in Philadelphia. Actually, no, that's a terrible. They have weird voices. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It's always like the business of business. Yeah. And I like you have to turn the radio because of the amount of spittle. Blood was everywhere in the streets of Tehran. I had seven seizures this morning on the way to work. Today on Card Catalog, we're going to be yeah. discussing yeah. the reference section of the New York Public Library. Bookworm. That's bookworm. Like, that bookworm. sounds yeah, like bookworm. a guy that did a cartoon bookworm. And then there's Sandra Singlow with the lowdown on science. Have you heard her? Like, Wackley Warblers, and she always goes like, <gasps> and gets her micro, like her, as if the air in the room is coming directly from the microphone. <laughs> that's her oxygen, Dave. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. she's that's... straight into it. <laughs> oh, well. There's a couple, yeah, they, there's a, it, they really are an insane cast of characters that I feel like if you were going to visual, if you're going to make a visualization of NPR as a group, they would just be like Muppets. They would just be these crazy Muppets. Yeah. They, it basically just feels like a, it was like the studio next to the Muppet Show studio was the, were basically these radio Muppets. Right. Yeah. And that and NPR is what they is what they can. National radio Puppet Radio. Muppets, National Puppet Radio. I think Puppet you just radio. launched a show, or this is an idea here. Yeah. Radio Muppets is perfect, you guys. We don't even have to build puppets. There it is. There it is. <laughs> it's just, just the voices. No one will know. No. One will know. <laughs> wow, you're crazy looking. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> most. Radio people do look like radio muppets, by the way. I bet that's why yeah. they're in radio. They really well. It's actually the engineers. I worked in radio for like four, three or four years, and every sound engineer is some we is just like a strange, a beautifully strange creature that almost kind of looks like Sweetums. You know, the big walk around Muppet who's like, hey guys, wait for me. You know, yeah. like, that's what a lot of the sound is. What do you, think, like. do you think that's like, is, is it because they're never in light and they're always in a yes. dark room? Yeah. Or, yes. or do they find a dark room and they seek and they run from the light? I think it's a sort of a symbiotic relationship yeah. they form with the darkness. But wait, then yeah. how did Seacrest turn out so good looking? Well, because he's not an engineer, he's a personality. But he started as an engineer. Oh, did he start as an engineer? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if he was always, like, he, you know, you see the picture, like, there was a picture of him posted. Yeah, he was just like a chubby kid, and I think he uh, a lot of hard work to get that look. You know, yes. they found they found the yeah. David inside of Ryan. That's yes, right. They chipped exactly. away. They and, chipped uh, away, and there it was, you guys. And they got the full Seacrest in there. <laughs> hey, buddy, been here all along. Talk about a guy who works hard. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, and it's not even just that he works hard. I mean, like I I, I have a handful of jobs, but his handful of jobs, any one of. 
Kolev could sustain. I mean, like a small country, a small country. Every every job of his is he worth would, like fifty million dollars. He would a piece. not relate to the flight of Concords guys. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like <laughs> hey, you gotta keep working. Yeah, who was it? Keep that, working. What they, what it was, they uh, saying? our friends uh, Brad and Boyd were like uh, writer producers on his morning show once, and they interviewed. Um, uh, Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss. Who had the four-hour work week. An idea of just like having like a kind of uh, job set up to where you had so much free time you can go on trips and you didn't really this have to This is basically to novice. condense your workflow into a really organized, streamlined, basically autopilot kind That's of awesome. workflow. Yeah, and so he was like, he's like uh, you know, so with this uh, way of doing the four-hour work week is that you'll have time uh, for yourself. Uh, and then uh, Seacrest's reaction was just like, hey, you got another jab? <laughs> and, and like, no, no, no. The idea is to just have time. So for if your I can family. fill it, if I can fill it with ten four-hour jobs, yes. it's like a forty-hour work week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that that's what I do too. Are you that way? Yeah, probably a little bit. Yeah, I don't want to be. And now that I have a kid, I really don't want to be. But um, I am doing too many things. But there is a certain amount of moxie that you have to have to say, "Hey, let's get our friends together and actually cut it, like make a thing." Yeah. Bef- before there's really a YouTube, because then you're just like. What are we going to do? Just hand the tape around? Like, it really was just a, oh, we'll just hand the tape around, I guess. We'll just pass it That's around. That's kind of how I saw Foot Fist Way for the first time. It was just yeah, like, yeah, like, hey, the, check the out the... Bride thing? Yeah. yeah. Me too. That right. was sort so of a fun way to discover things. Now it's so, you know, you just take it so for granted. Like, oh, send me a link. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can only last for like four minutes or something. <laughs> yes. It's like, uh, it's like sex. I clicked away. He said something about uh, he said something about ducks, and so I went to Wikipedia and started looking up mallards. Like, right. it just yeah. like you're, you're so distracted at all times. I was trying to remember how I survived before a cell phone. Like, before cell phone and email and any of that stuff. First of all, how do, how do people make movies? That's crazy. To yeah, me. how did stuff get done? How did anything get done? Yeah, Do you ever, if you if you go and look at uh, you know if you go look at old houses, maybe going back to the Philadelphia comment. Uh, but when you look at the old house, and it's just like the bedrooms were tiny because there were you didn't have to put media centers in them, and all the rooms were very small because they were just supposed to hold like two people. Well, they're also supposed to hold heat. They were supposed to hold you know, heat like, and uh, a couple people. Yeah, and then you just you look around at the bedroom like. What did people do when they laid in bed at night? How did they distract themselves? I don't know. Mm. Books? Sleep? Probably sleep. They probably, I'm guessing uh, sleep. Yeah. yeah, probably not just putting a beam of light and information into their fucking face before they <laughs> fall asleep and have to rest their brain. No, really, but there was a period of time where, hey, it gets it's dark now. Now it is time for sleep. Here comes yeah. the sun. Yeah. It is time to get up to sustain our little farm ship so that we don't die. Right, let's get uh. into our little room because we need that fire warmth to yeah. reach us you yep. know the big cavernous room is freezing i've forgotten how to wait like if i don't have a phone i don't know how to wait and like you know just do you just start shuffling your arms yeah i just don't know wait. what to do yeah like, it's like i my friend was picking me up i went outside of my house and uh, i was just like oh, i forgot my phone ah, we're just getting lunch <laughs> where the fuck is he like, just like, fucking didn't know what to do you're just running up to people yeah. like a fucking yeah. tell me something tell me a quip just keep it under 140 characters please sir it, sir it, give me uh, information yeah. what do you know about yeah. things what's I had a square with my hands I started looking at trees and sunsets and That's like, where, those are good grams <laughs> you just poke yourself in the eye to create a filter yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I got a runny filter Or that, yeah. that's where you start writing graffiti on, bath, on bathroom walls because yeah. you just have to fucking is anything yeah. trending on this back, bathroom wall what's trending <laughs> looks like shit it is it is weird to you know when you this i'm really ashamed to admit this but you know when you're f- flying overseas there's no internet and so you kind of have that thing of like 
What am, what am I going to do? Well, there's an entertainment system. You can watch a ton of movies. But I'm not directly connected to people. Well, you're sitting around 300 other people, any of one who you could talk to. I don't want to talk to people face-to-face. No, it's yeah. a 10-hour flight. Nobody wants you, uh, you know, <laughs> engaging just in case you're in trouble. You're just trying yeah. to create a social network on the plane. Yeah. You, you can do that in Virgin Flights. That. Yeah, you can do that in Virgin yeah. Flights. I don't know why you want to. Have you ever used the Virgin seat-to-seat messaging system before? I think it would be creepy. Wouldn't it be creepy? I think it's creepy to do that. It seems like a, it's like if you're on like a volleyball team or in a band and you're going on the same flight, that might be fun for a second. But Yeah, just kinda... to a stranger, that's pretty creepy. Hey, yeah, hot yeah. stuff. Want some pretzels? No, yeah. please don't ever communicate with me again. Meet me near the shitter. <laughs> well, your first mistake was saying shitter. I don't know how romantic that is. <laughs> Depends who you ask. Your second mistake is that you're married and why are you flirting with this woman on a plane, Jonah? Flirting with her, I'm just having fun. That's, that's where this fantasy started going today. <laughs> Make me near the shitter. I like to sleep on a plane, personally. Me too. I can't sleep I got... on a plane. Oh, so no. I'm gigantic, and it just nothing, nothing, nothing fits you. Nothing fits. See, I'm like you. Could, I could you could put me in the glo- in like the glove box. <laughs> Honestly, that would be great. Like I like a cozy nook. If I could get tossed, so in just stuff you under your under the seat. Yeah. I'm fine down here. I can fit under the seat. It's fine. Yeah. I just flew in from London, yeah. uh, and my trick for sleeping was staying up the entire night, which I haven't done in a long time. It gets harder. It's got really hard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> got really hard. You think it's a good idea? It makes logical sense, and then you do it, and your and the like, chemicals in your body do not appreciate. Yeah, it. Yeah, right around the time where we're waiting in the, uh, you know, in the yeah. in the lobby to board the plane, and you know the alcohol's wearing off mm-hmm. from the from the good times, it started to feel like a real bad idea. But yeah. then <laughs> I passed out the whole way. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. and time? now I'm back on California time. I think I did I, I, my body a, a, a good service here. I tried when I fl- last time I flew to England. I, I was like, I was like, I had that plan. I was like, I'm going to have some drinks, and then I'm going to take like half of a, like a Xanax, and I'm just going to conk out. And like I just felt like shit the entire time because yeah. my body wanted to sleep, couldn't get comfortable to sleep, so it was just groggy and psychotic feeling the entire time. Watch yeah. a lot of movies though. That's, well, that's yeah. a gamble. That's yeah, a, it's a, it's well, a first risk. of all, mixing alcohol and benzodiazepines are really hot idea. That's, I said Xanax, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that, alert. That's, pro- <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's probably why you're typing, hey, let's meet near the shitter. Because <laughs> you're loaded on fucking pills and booze. Yeah. It doesn't. You probably, were you just in this sort of weird haze where you, you were so fucked up your body couldn't go to sleep? Yeah, it just, it felt, it just, I felt sore the entire time. I just felt out of it and just like, I felt like I had a head cold pretty much. Yeah, that's, that's not sucked. good. No, it wasn't. And you're also a big guy, so I would almost imagine you would have to, it would almost taste like a horse tranquilizer to knock you out. It does, every night. Oh, man. You okay? Don't touch me. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe near the shitter. <laughs> I, I made a deal with myself years ago where I, th- I said, I'm gonna, I have to fly a lot. I don't like flying. I'm going to get over it, and I'm going to learn to sleep on planes. And now I fucking, the second I get on a plane and I kind of just hear the ambient hum i just my eyes get heavy me too i need that in fact I, like i look forward to long plane rides like oh finally i'm gonna get some sleep yeah for me it's more just i, I take that as an opportunity to catch up on a ton of movies <laughs> what did yeah. you watch is, what what did you watch on the flight uh over to, to england when you guys Shit. went to well, england? fuck i mean like in total i watched like 10 movies are you serious yeah but one of the best things i watched was a um was a special from uh, steve coogan for it was a um it was like a this uh, what's the character he did? I'm Alan Partridge. Alan Partridge, but it was like a, it was like an Alan Partridge self-serving. I'm going to show you where I live, the town, the hamlet I'm from, and it's just it was like one of the like I couldn't stop like laughing at it the entire time. That's, I'm glad. Well, you know, like, you, what was what was a good movie? You, 
You can't name one? You watched 10. I watched 10. <laughs> it was a few months ago. Remember, he was on Xanax and alcohol. That That's true. The, that he was, was whacked flight. out of his brain. <laughs> that was for the flight home. I watched, like, you know, what did I fucking He was probably watch? asleep the whole time thinking he was dreaming, <laughs> yeah, dreaming yeah, yeah. of movies. I watched Tintin for 10 hours. <laughs> he just, he's just mashing up all these. I was called Lars and all the yeah, real yeah. girls just want to have fun. Fuck, I can't remember what I watched. I watched a lot of movies. It's about a group of blow-up dolls who go on spring break. Yeah. <laughs> what did I watch? I Are you know. serious? You can't remember one movie. They named one thing I watched. You did name a you thing. Did. That's, yeah, that's true. But I was and excited to out. talk about the movie, man. Like, it, What did I watch? Here, I'll help you. Uh, I flew to Canada a year ago, and I watched Drive on uh, a plane. I've seen that. Loved it. Oh, got another Gosling joint. Another Gosling movie. Yeah, yeah. a good um, good plane ride movie. Yeah. I don't really Good watch... L.A. movie, too. I Very good L.A. movie. When it shows, like, I like it when a movie shows L.A. In a, like from a different angle. Yeah. yeah, it was all that like MacArthur Park area and you know downtown the river stuff like that. It was nice. I don't really watch a lot of movies on planes because it's hard. Even on a plane, it's hard for me to focus for a couple hours. I'll watch like a Mad Men episode or a Louis episode mm. on the iPad. Cloud Atlas was one of the movies I watched. There you go. Uh, Cloud Atlas, uh, all right. great, great plane movie. Yeah, I don't know about sitting in a theater for it, but yeah. like a great, great plane movie because it just it's segmented and it's long and it takes up a lot of time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Are they showing? Do they have uh, sunny episodes on? I don't know. Sometimes, like, I've caught it on JetBlue, but only because it was on FX. Um, so you obviously have to sit there and watch and laugh extra loud at the episode for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Who are these hilarious people? <laughs> How do they come up with this stuff? Come, look, uh, look. Uh, yeah. Join me in row two. <laughs> Channel two. 27. Let's get a social chat going about this. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I uh, rarely see Maybe Sonny it. anywhere. It's part of the, the conspiracy against us, I think. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, it's hard to find. But it still has a. It's still like people still watch the shit out of the show. Like your fans are pretty. They find it. They have kept us alive despite the airlines, <laughs> <laughs> who are clearly in a conspiracy together. Yeah. Like, okay, we're gonna we we need to get fuel prices down, yeah. and we really need to try to tank Sunny. There's probably some executive who's like, all right, well, give me a couple uh, episode titles. Like Charlie got molested, and uh, you know, <laughs> like you know, like uh, maybe not this one. <laughs> Sweet tea dates a retarded person. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't know. That's really fun. <laughs> yeah, I don't see like South Park on planes either. There's certain yeah. things that they they shy away from. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. But at least uh, you know. Most people watch stuff on their devices anyway, so I guess that's it doesn't true. even it doesn't even really matter. We flight. I watched flight. Oh, on a plane. As we were taking off oh, is when on. the accident part started to happen. Shoot. It was like fucking being in like rumble boxes. You kind of feel like maybe they shouldn't put those movies. There was a there was a uh, a disclaimer just to let you know this has a horrible oh. plane accident. Well, that's actually good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was neat because it's like as we were taking off, we were hitting a lot of turb- turbulence going out of Heathrow, and it was just as the plane was shaking, the plane started shaking in the movie. So it was like being I on like Star that you Tours. Said, you said that's neat. <laughs> like, well, it's like that's the experience you're going for. Like, this is neat. Yeah, it's neat. Yeah, it's they're fun. dying. I could die. Yeah, it's just fun. It's fun. It was like a, it was a 360 experience. That's really cool. Yeah, you're a braver right. man than I am. Yeah. And then I then I popped on uh, Fearless. <laughs> just a bunch of Crash movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Crash, Crash. <laughs> but he lives in Fearless. He lives. Yeah, exactly. So, oh, he's coming up. Mm. We did Jeff right. Bridges. Jeff Bridges soon. Oh wow. Yeah, we got to didn't even talk about Fearless. No. He must have talked about Lebowski, right? Yeah. He is basically about... Lebowski. He's yeah, the dude. Right, he is. Yeah. Just like right when he walked in, hey, man. Who have you met that uh, that you were 
Oh, we talked about this before. You don't really get nervous meeting people. Not nervous, no. Um, I mean, I would be excited to meet him. But you seem like a pretty, by, by, from what I could tell the couple times that we've hung out in a short burst, you seem like a pretty well-adjusted, calm person. Like, you don't have the comic, that energy of like, notice me, or I want people to like me. You're just like, eh, you know, whatever. I'm, yeah, I'm fine. no, I, don't, I, like, uh, I learned at a very young age that people weren't going to notice and or like me. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I stopped seeking that approval. Uh, a long time ago. Yeah, no, I don't know. I like uh, it's it's um. Well, thanks. I guess yeah, I'm calm. But it is always nice to meet funny people who, because I think we're just used to being around like that. Because we all sort of have that comic. I mean, it is a weird thing to get up in front of a room full of strangers and be like, "Like me, like what I'm saying. I want you to like. I want you to laugh. I want you to laugh at me. You know, yeah. like that's a very weird thing to do. Terrifying thing. I can't imagine." Sad, really. <laughs> when, you, yeah. when you really strip it away. When they don't away. laugh, I bet it's the saddest <laughs> day of your life. Yeah, yeah. This is when you yell at him. What's wrong with you, babe? Yeah, I'm terrifying. presenting you with funny ideas. Show yeah. me that you accept them and me. You wouldn't know art if it came in you. And then you fucking throw the mic down. Right. And, right. and then, Who's art? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're on stage four minutes. No, I have a much more calculated way of getting people to like me. Like, hmm, no, that's not the take. Let me just yeah, readjust yeah, this. Exactly. Now I'm lovable. <laughs> but you're one of those guys that people, I think people uh, want to see more of. Like, like, okay, yeah, they like you from Sunny, and then Horrible Bosses. All right, it's like you're, you've, you've passed, you know, every, every performer sort of has a series of hurdles that they have or like mm. tests that they get through. Like someone might be really funny on TV and they do like a crappy movie and people are like, ah, I thought, never mind. Right. But it's like you've, you've passed the hurdles and now you've done this big action movie and it's like, I think it. I think it's going to be good. Yeah, or the big action movie will end me once and for all. And hey, it's not at all. Again, listen. Even if Pacific Rim tanks, which I don't think it's going to, it's certainly not going to be your responsibility. No, it's not really. It wasn't my yeah. doing. Yeah. No, it, that wouldn't matter. You still yeah. get to be in a really cool big budget Guillermo action movie. Yeah, and I feel good about it. Like even if it, even if it tanks, my um, opinion of the film is good. Like I, I think that matters to me more. What other stuff are you? Or is there other stuff that you've shot that's coming out? Too? No, no, that's a big part of it too. Is I don't, I don't think I've really oversaturated people with myself, which I think happens. Like even yeah. even the brilliant and talented Melissa McCarthy, you know, who let's let's face it, she's so funny and so good, is everywhere no. to the point where I'm like, oh, I don't know, she's in a movie again. It's tough because you and and that part. Is probably not as much in her control. It's just like, you know, you spend so much time trying to get work, trying to get work, and all of a sudden people are like, here's a bunch of work. You can do whatever you want. And then yeah. you're like, okay. Oh, and, and, and then it all comes out at the same time. Right. And you sort of have to do it. Maybe you shot the two things years apart, but they come out at the same time. Right. No. You know, it's it's tough to know. Um, like John Heater. Like, you know, there was Napoleon Dynamite. And then he did. John Heater. He did five, six movies in a row because he was the new comedy star. And then they all just came out. In a sequence, and just people like liked them less and less, yeah. and then there was just nothing for a while. Yeah, of course you do have to get a performance in those movies that at least lives up to and they Napoleon Dynamite. Well, it's just yeah. that's like, <laughs> you know, it's just that, that's, that's, such a, that's such a specific yeah. character, like that's such a specific I thing. Know, yeah, and then you know it's almost like the uh, it's it's well that's the thing too. I guess you got to pick good things. Like if you do ten in a row and and they don't give you the opportunity b- to be as funny as you were in say like Napoleon Dynamite, where he was hysterical. Yeah, you know that's that's. But audi- audiences help. think very one dimensionally, and they have to be 
I think they have to sort of be trained a little bit in the sense where in his next movie, people go in with Napoleon Diamond in their head and they go, oh, he's not. He's just a guy. He's just being a guy. He's not doing it. But he kind of sounds like Napoleon Diamond. But he's not Napoleon. You know, it's like you. And some of it's luck, too. I mean, it really is. Um, I was up for uh, uh, this this other movie and um, I really wanted it. It was like the lead role. And then uh, I did like a bunch of like tests with the director and then they went with someone else and i was like man that sucks i guess i'll do this horrible bosses thing oh shit <laughs> you know like <laughs> did the other movie come out yeah did it not do well no sweet yeah and came... what was it called uh should i talk about it yes yes come on you can what talk a about scoop it. i don't give a fuck it was yeah. uh yeah sure it was it was like uh, 30 seconds or less which uh, look I like Jesse Eisenberg Jesse Eisenberg's fine right he's doing great um, but but he's that's different he had already been in the social network he'd established himself I think maybe if I'd had that role and the movie didn't turn out good that would have been like well nah, see the guy can't carry oh, a film good point you know but Horrible Boss is great and Seth is great and Seth was great and then uh, that was fortunate too I mean, fortunately Seth was great I think I was the first guy to sign on to that movie they could have surrounded me with like really bad actors as the bosses and bag cast and the director so like and he was in the same position that you were in coming off of what he had come off of with kong right yeah a little bit so it was uh, sort of like he had this sort of quirky movie that was amazing that had a rabid fan base and his next thing which was a complete departure like a an actual scripted comedy yeah could have really not, you know. He had a four Christmases yeah, four in between Christmases the two of those, but that was I, that in between. The, it wasn't yeah, between the two. But supposedly yeah. he was like uh, had a really difficult experience filming that movie, and they like he wasn't treated very well by some people. So, uh, uh, so this was the horrible bosses was his first thing where he was like given the chance to really direct. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. uh, but um, but as a comedy fan, those are the kind of movies that you love where they just sort of like come out of nowhere and you're like holy shit that movie that was yeah. really fucking funny yeah. but again i think so much of that like some of that really is luck and and that sort of intangible thing of like well all the right people came together at the right time and tonally this just happened to work and it's the right time and place for the movie I look. Yeah. I could not be sitting here right now. <laughs> uh, but my day job has been good. Sunny's been good. No, so. it's a. It, but it's a good. It's a good mindset to have when you're when, especially if you're like to go through the audition process. I think your mindset's the good mindset to have is to not, you know, like, well, you know, I'll try to do this thing. If it doesn't work, fuck it. What am I gonna do? And the audition process. That's crazy. I actually just. I I quit it. Like um, me too. Except yeah. you actually work and you still quit the audition process. Well, I quit it because I had Sonny and Sonny was great and I knew I could write for myself and I was like, I'll I'll just do this. I'm not gonna go jump through hoops anymore. And I had a bunch of auditions over the course of Sonny that were just sort of humiliating and not good. They're never good. Yeah, and then uh, when Going the Distance came around, uh, which was like a Justin Long movie that I I did a thing in, and uh, I met with the director and she really liked me and the producers love Sonny and stuff and then the one of the studio heads didn't know me and was like well I want to see him come audition well I was like um, go fuck yourself <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go run my show yeah. thanks though yeah and then I finally and then and finally I got a part you know and then this sort of uh, have been that way ever since it is such a I mean for for any performers out there who actually and but I feel like more people do this now than used to but just the idea of being a creative force on your show it, I think there's a level of confidence now where it's where I think you 
if you were just an actor, you might not have been like, go fuck yourself for that audition. Because now you go, oh, well, I make stuff, so I don't fucking need to go tap well, dance Well, that's for the only you. reason why. Yeah, and I had done six billion auditions, and uh, it's such a, it's not a natural experience. I First of all, I, I sound a little weird. You know, I look funny, and in short, out of context burst, it might not make sense. You know, if I were, uh, I also change a lot of the dialogue sometimes and things that I'm in, um, which you don't necessarily want to do in an audition because then they don't know what they're going to get. And so, uh, to some degree I suck at it. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> well, it's yeah. a very artificial process and but, it's not indicative at all of what you would do once you got, if you were actually working on a, on a set. Yeah. Then there were other things where I know, Oh no, that was great. I know I was hysterical in that. How dare you go with that unfunny person or whatever, which is, and, and by the way, now after nine seasons of casting people, I also know, well, we, we see people all the time that are probably perfect for the job. And just for whatever reason, we're like, eh, they're not quite how I see the character. And um, maybe they would have been great. Maybe they would have been terrible. But it's it's such a it's such a ridiculous process yeah. auditioning. I, so you basically have what it's like. You have one minute, and and, yeah, then, and a yeah. lot of the time, it doesn't even matter what you do. The second you walk in, like you said, if you look and go, ah, it's just not. Then it doesn't matter what yeah, they do. And oftentimes, it's like they're just not the person. I think. Yeah. I think when I think that. Those moments where you like you fucking grab the job and win it are few and far between because I think a lot of the times it just oh does this person yeah. look like the character we had in mind then on top of that if they can nail it great yeah and some people are look some people are great at it great at it and they know how to do it to me it was always just weird in your reading with someone who's not an actor or not the actor you're not in the environment it's just yeah. a really strange it's always so process. weird to me when they like they'll do something it's like do you want to stand up or sit down and you're like in the script the guy's standing why would yeah. you <laughs> don't give me the option now i'm fucking thrown off <laughs> i like yeah. to go in and do ridiculous amounts of space work <laughs> or just start preparing something. A lot of, lot of miming. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm opening yeah. cabinets. And All right, imagine over here there's a fire. Oh, and yeah. here there's. I, I went out for a horror movie uh, just like a couple weeks ago, and there uh, there's just, there was a lot of stuff I had to see and react to. Yeah. And like it was just like. I really, like a poltergeist? It, it was like a poltergeist situation. Uh, like if like, you were to remake a poltergeist? So that, yeah, if that you were to like remake a, the, like a, a movie situation. that the poltergeist situation took place in. Yep. And like, you know, you want them to maybe like. Like, you know, give you a little bit of notice of, like, words, there's a sound or something like that. Uh-huh. And then it's just, like, the self-consciousness just starts pouring into you. Where you're well, going, that's, ah, what? that's where they should have the yeah. good sense to be like, um, this is Keith, our casting ghost. He's our assistant. Yeah. He's a ghost that's going to come in and help, and you're going to read opposite him. Yeah, it, it sucks. And I tried to I tried to riff by going, ghost. And that doesn't work either. It didn't work. Yeah, no. Just like there was a time I had like three auditions in one day, and like two of them were just real big, real big comedy things, and then the last one was like for a drama, and then I just I didn't switch gears, and they like they stopped me in the middle. So you're right in the thick of it. You're doing auditions all the time. Yeah, it's a tough place to be. I did it for years. I mean, you know, twelve, thirteen years, maybe fourteen years, and you know, well, you you get what maybe one out of. 25, 50, I don't know. I don't know the numbers, but if you're lucky, yep. that's tough. Yeah. That's actually part of the reason why we made the TV show. I was always testing for TV shows. I, I, and then they'd be like, oh, he could be like a funny best friend. And um, and then they'd realize, well, 
got a lot of white people. We can't have a white funny best friend. We need we need diversity. <laughs> oh my god, like, you yeah. and I are the you know because for because people always say like you guys look like brothers. I think it's it's us and Aaron Paul and then the guy from Muse, Matt. Um, Who's the guy from Muse? Yeah, the guy from Muse is always going out for auditions. No, 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 no. I'm saying like, like, like we're in a club of similar-looking white guys. I remember seeing Aaron Paul a lot actually when I was first starting to audition for things, being like, "Huh, who's this guy? Could he be any good?" Yeah, I have, it turns out he's all right. Turns yeah. out he's great. I have one of those guys. He's doing really well right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure Aaron Paul had this guy had Jeremy Renner. Ah, oh, that Jeremy Renner. He's yeah, a, right. You know. But Aaron Paul must have done it through the auditioning route. He must have. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I don't know if he auditioned for Breaking Bad, but he must have auditioned for enough things that someone saw. And that's it. That it was not going to happen for me that way. You know, like um, I always pictured it like a slot machine, like like auditioning was like putting coins in a slot machine. You know what I mean? And sooner and, or later, and Sonny it's was, work. was building my own slot machine, yeah. Which was like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll keep doing this. In the meantime, I'm going to do my own thing, and then eventually, you know, my own thing started paying out. And then I was like, well, I got the money from this slot machine. I don't need that. Yeah. And then that that slot machine just started giving me money. It's the- <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't have to. Really I didn't even put change in there. Yeah, yeah. just take this. Just take it. All right. Three sevens. All right. Yeah, well, it's that feeling when you, like that moment where you got to basically, even though know, you may not have said it to his face in that way, but to say like, fuck you, I'm not going to audition. Oh, that's such a gift. That's such a magical moment where you don't, the second you don't need it, yeah. where you can it was be great. like, because oh, you're all my ages were like you're crazy like everyone wants you for this go just uh i actually just had that pop up again where s- some executive um at fox was unfamiliar with my work and they were trying to put together a film and it's like well have them come in and read for me i'm like fox i've been making fox money for a decade yeah. you know, like, <laughs> screw fox and i'm sure he can get a screener of a couple episodes yeah, of go, your show go see a thing yeah no, um, i want to control this guy for a minute and have him dance around in my office so i can tell him what's but wrong. that was different than i didn't mind sitting with the director and reading through the script with him that's sort of a different thing like i don't mind working on something with the director i'm not like above that but uh that felt more human well it's you know, it's, like, it's uh, different there's a difference between let's you know let's work out and figure out how this might make sense as opposed to come and improve yourself for me like yeah. that's a much different experience where you know it's like you said well the guy could watch an episode of sunny or he could you know right but or even if he just said oh hey you know i just want to come in and talk to you and meet with you and just get a sense i feel like there's there's more to be gained from that than making someone come in and read two lines. Like if I sat down and talked to you for ten minutes, yeah, that's a very different. Thing. I'd know like, oh, this guy's funny. He can riff, you know. Like he'd be okay, great, 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 great. We were um, casting a, a pilot that we wrote once called Boldly Going Nowhere, and uh, and I really wanted Martin Short to play the lead, and uh, I was getting some like resistance from obviously like executives and stuff. And uh, he came in. We had a meeting with him. And I asked him, I'm like, listen, uh, I'm like, I'm, I hate to say this, but I'm getting resistance about having you be the lead. Uh, would you ever be interested in like reading some stuff and let me put you on tape? And he was like, I'll read stuff with you, you know, you and me, if you want to read stuff, but, but not with them, which, and then I was like humiliated that I even asked him. I felt like so embarrassed. And then I, I also knew I was never going to get it through. So we didn't do it. And we should have cast him because he would have been great. And the show probably wouldn't have picked up, but, um, (laughs) Was it a space show? Yeah. Yeah. He would have been great. He would have been our captain of a spaceship. God wow. damn it! 
He would have been really good. Oh, God just damn. the that that missed opportunity I know. hurts my soul a little bit. Yeah, and it was like one of those things where, uh, well, who knows? Maybe we it still would have been bad. It would have been our fault. But uh, but he would have been great. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, it's the, the whole audition thing is weird. I I remember I auditioned for Euro Trip Two or no, not Euro Trip Two, but Euro Trip is they like oh, yeah. they did Road Trip with like Tom Green, and then a couple years later they did Euro Trip. And you know it must have been like twenty seven or twenty six, younger maybe. And um, I remember feeling like really good, like wow, I really gave a really sort of like subtly funny, quirky, interesting, you know, read. And quirk is not the right word, but just like I, it's just because what people say about me. But I wasn't <laughs> intending to be that way. But um, uh, and I remember the feedback that my agent said, which was like that the casting director said, "Yeah, he's an interesting guy. I don't think." He- comedy his, is his thing he's not really ever gonna work in comedy wow. oh jesus you know just so many stories like that I mean, like this is crazy i can't even get past the person to get to the person well you get you get stuck in this lower to middle management area yeah where and then they'll say things like that and and i hope for anyone listening who's been through that that you don't listen to those people when they say yeah just keep pressing Cause on, no one man. they don't know they're just saying stuff yeah. to say stuff and it yeah. doesn't it doesn't really matter i was what was uh Oh, what was it? I I was gonna. I wanted to a few years back audition for something. I don't know. It was some show that was on that I really wanted to be on. That I wanted like this role came up for this kind of like nerdy science guy, and I want to go for it. And the casting person told my um, manager <laughs> that I wasn't fuckable enough. He was like, "He's not fuckable enough." Oh, see, that is the worst. And it's just like, and I so I can't I'm even the come in. Science guy. Can yeah. I can't even come <laughs> in and read for. You know, like I was actually, it was a show that I was actually willing to go in and read for. And I so, you know, I, I so wanted to, I, I went into I douche mode where the manager was like, I've got to tweet that out that that guy said that. And he's like, don't, why would you do that? Uh, don't, yeah, you're just going to yeah. look like an asshole. I'm like, God yeah. damn it. You're right. Yeah. You got to take the high road. So I'll just Turns talk about it on a podcast. Someone thinks I'm not fuckable enough, right? Huh? Twitter. <laughs> Tell me I am. Well, that's the thing. Tell me I that's am. why it's douchey. Is because yeah, ultimately yeah. you're trying to get people to validate you because your ego is hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because you feel like, you know, although I feel like it was kind of douchey on that guy's part, but still, it was douchey the way that I took it because I could have, I should have just been like, eh. yeah. But that's all. Yeah. That's all they're looking at people like for yeah. a lot of those things. It's like, yeah, eh, no one's gonna want to. You know, him. sometimes we uh, we have uh, egos that bruise because we're sensitive. It's tough. You take a pounding. It is, and 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 because <clears throat> you are essentially. Doing a job that requires you to be kind of empathic and sensitive and and aware, but the side effect to that is that you are sensitive and hyper aware and empathic, and and so you just it you know it's hard to not it's so easy to go down the douche road. It is so fucking easy to go down the douche road, well, but because slide, of your really. ego, it's a slide that yeah. cleans your asshole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you actually have to learn to really not care. I think that's. My friends who are doing the best at uh, just auditioning and getting jobs through that, I think they really don't care. I think it's I, it I think away. it's I think yeah. not caring to tell someone to not care is tough. I think it's a side effect to just being comfortable with yourself. If you're comfortable yes, with yourself, yes. then you right. don't care. It's not about just it's not because right, if you have you're going, to do the work, you can't like not yeah. care. Yeah, it's not way. going. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Like, well, obviously you care because you're going out of your way to say that you don't care. It's really just. I think confidence just comes from. Just being comfortable with who you are and feeling like you have options. Yeah, just, yeah it, and, and knowing like you would bring this thing to the project, which is like, all right, this is what I would bring to it. Yeah. If that's yeah. what they want, great. Yeah. If that's not what they want, then yeah. then maybe I'm not the right person because that's what I would have done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and look, maybe a lot of those things I auditioned for years and years and years ago, I wasn't ready to get. 
like maybe it, it I needed you know five six years of sunny it's to all working to get out. good at now things are working out. <laughs> things are working out. Well, I'm so glad the we finally were able to have you on. I mean, this was a, I mean, honestly, it's. Uh, you are another person that when we first started doing the podcast, people were like, you got to get Charlie. Oh, you're not on Twitter anymore either, are you? I'm not. I was on for like half a year and then I was like, I, I, I'm like writer's block and uh, yeah. I have this thing I feel like I need to check every day. And uh, and then the sort of emotional ride of how many people tell you they love you. And then w- I got a lot of people that were angry. I was Jewish, even though I'm not Jewish. <laughs> so, sure, yeah, like, sure. Like a lot of just like too much. Like, I, 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 liked, I suddenly thought, I don't want a place for people to be able to write me directly. Whether they know <laughs> I'm reading it or not, I don't want to give people the option of like, I know that I'm writing directly to this person. So I, like, I just want that freedom. That is a bold move in today's interconnected social media. I think it society. could be dumb. I think it's really going to like. I think it's working out okay. And also, there's a certain. It's sort of like what you said about oh, you know, the, some people being everywhere. Yeah. Is that um, you know you're not like when people find you in something, it's sort of special because they don't you know. I think that's that helps Sunny. I think that helps Sunny live like we weren't shoved down people's throats. We've never been in a comedy issue of Variety or GQ. It drives me crazy every time I read those things. But like, at this, <laughs> we've been on for nine years. What do you guys want? Yeah, I mean, like, there's, I, you know, there's a little chip on my shoulder about those things, the Emmys, whatever. But like, at the same time, it, it's kind of good. People find it themselves. It doesn't feel like it's shoved down their throat. And uh, and this is like day and age where we're living in, where everything's jammed down your throat. I think you still get to like feel that. like you still get to feel like the indie underdog to people a little bit. Yeah, which yeah. is which is I think certainly in the spirit of the show too. I think it just I all, all I think it all works. But not so indie underdog that we'll only do twelve episodes and then walk away forever. Mm. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that's Guys, foolish. Uh, yeah. that's just yeah. foolish. That's that's, that's New Zealand or British. Yeah. New it's Zealand. British. It's very British. Yeah. And it drives me crazy. Like the British office, oh, I, I wish they did more and more of that. Yeah. I love it so much. You know. Should we do more? Nah. We got it. No, we did it. Why would we do more? Because yeah. it was Told good. Yeah, it was good. Why, well, why should we do it's more? It's 12 then, right? No, no, no. I'm going to go do something else now. I'm yeah. going to go do six episodes of something else. Yeah. And the other thing they did was really good. Oh, yeah, what? Extras? Extras. Yeah, that was great. I want that to keep going. <laughs> yeah, guys, just keep it going. Yeah. That, they don't understand that in England. They just kind of go, huh? They Ex- don't. Except for Doctor Who, thankfully. They must all come from money. <laughs> <laughs> That's just, the only just way. Just a bunch of rich kids out there making yeah. good TV. Well, thank you for coming on uh, Pacific Rim, July 12th. Uh, this is actually a Pacific Rim week because tr- you're you're going up. This is going up Wednesday, and Charlie Hunnam went up today. Oh, really? Episode, so it's it's Charlie Pack Rim week. Yeah. We need How one was that? more. Act- it was great. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. He was really interesting. He. Talk, he I he talked for, for for a while about he wants to do this movie about Vlad the Impaler and he knows so much about Vlad the Impaler that he was telling these Vlad the Impaler stories and they were fucking fascinating. Really funny. <laughs> really funny Vlad stories. It's a comedy turn. Yeah, it's yeah. sort of a Mel Brooks Vlad the Imp- Vlad the Impaler and there's yeah. a question mark at the end. Yeah. I don't know that. Sounds this like, this is like impaling. Like a, yeah. like a Eastern European pornographic actor. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know Vlad the Impaler. The Dracula. Really? That's what that's what he's Vlad, called. Vlad, Vlad, the, Vlad the Impaler is is the the legend of Dracula came from Vlad Tempest, who was a uh, basically a guy who ruled this little kingdom and was uh, and he defeated larger armies because he was fucking insane. Know, that's an amazing. I mean, insane name. in a good way, yeah. but, but because he would impale people in front of the castle to warn other people, "Don't yeah. fuck with me." That's so, great. You talked about it in front of that Bram Stoker's Dracula, right? 
A little bit what? So they they had that like, a little bit. Yeah, yeah there yeah. was a little bit of the story at the beginning of Bram Stoker's. Bear. I just exposed my ignorance. Not really. You just it's just one thing that you didn't know, which is nice. You don't have to know. There's like five of them though, and then I don't want you guys to guess. <laughs> so Vlad is one. <laughs> Vlad's one. Uh, I had no idea. Mm. Unicycling is another. God damn it! Define cycling. <laughs> <laughs> Any cycling. It's like a foot car. <laughs> It's like a foot car. What, you, what is this foot car thing? Um, and then uh, you're not on Twitter, which I think is uh, admirable. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Or it's just crazy. Like, No, it's not crazy. I think it's cool. There was also a piece of me that got worried about like uh, being up for a movie and some executive being like, hmm, let's see. Well, Charlie's got half a million followers, but Ashton Kutcher's got eight. They do that. They do do that. Having yeah. like a number to quantify me although all i did was just make that number zero yeah <laughs> which is well, kind of cool i still have a number but then they'll never know what it could have been that's true yeah. they don't know my potential number yeah. i was walking by uh, i was working in the e-building i was walking by an office and i heard lady go well this guy's got more twitter followers than the other one uh, uh, right oh. see oh i heard some awful things in that building yeah i i heard a development pitch one time where a guy goes so uh so i think he was pitching a reality show this is fucking this is honest to God, I am not making this up. The guy goes, uh, so, you know, so our cast is going to have, like, I feel like everyone's already seen the sassy black lady, but our sassy black lady's from Detroit. No one's seen one from Detroit yet. Like, those are his fucking exact words. Wow. I'm like, this is how yeah. shows here are made. Are you fucking kidding me? You just yeah. hear him in, like, the lobby area getting coffee. Oh, it just hurt. Yeah. It just hurt. Like, it was one of those ones where I wanted to just, like, I, and for a comedy moment, I really should have done this. Just open the door and be like, are you serious? And then just closed the door and then mm-hmm. walked away and never showed my face again. Yeah. Those conversations do happen where they're like, they'll be like, well, dogs and skateboards are trending. So can we have like a dog Poochie. on a skateboard in the middle Poochie of the dog? Yeah. And, yeah. No, when I, was, when I was writing on the soup, there was like a lot of those like uh, comments coming down from up above. Wow. Or just like, it's like, hey, this is doing real big right now. Let's get a sketch out by the this end of the day. It's a soulless hybrid of corporate thinking. Yeah. Um, well, hopefully you'll come back on sometime later. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah. You're welcome on anytime you this want. This is a real bad dismount for a date. This is, uh, um, hopefully, hopefully you want to. Uh, this is me. This is wanna, uh, another time, maybe. Yeah, well, it's yeah, weird to I do the fun. dick and the popcorn when you're not in a movie. That's the weird time to yeah. actually do. More confused to where you got the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> There's a popcorn. We know where you got the dick. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're just like, yeah. we're right off Sunset Boulevard. It's not that hard to yeah. get a dick. You get um, it. Even at this hour. Lots of dicks, anytime. Yeah, anytime. Just go over to Guitar Center. There's a whole used dick section. Yeah, they're all playing them real loud. <laughs> hey! hey. Oh, the they're all top. listening over there, and they're oh, they're crossing the street. Oh, yeah, here right, they right, come. Right. Here they come. Here they come. Right. Charlie Day, actor, writer, fellow scruff enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Scruff mutt, you call hey, us. Scruff mutts. We're scruff mutts. Yeah. We're going to do an animated show we, called we, Scruff Mutts. We got the pitch. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you mean it, too, because you're scruffy. Oh, thanks. Kyle's I'm got just, a full beard, I'm so he can't be skinny. in it. We just need a sassy black mutt from Detroit. But not mm. that's been done now. Seen it. Not a dog. Oh but a bitch. Yo. Oh. oh. <laughs> 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 I'm a bitch. <laughs> Scruff mutt. Scruff mutt. Do 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 And that's good. Scene. Enjoy Brute. We need to break things. Not gonna break it. You did listen to all of this. Yeah, all this. Those are plastic bottles. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. 
This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by LegalZoom.com. Whatever your legal document needs, LLCs, wills, trusts, trademarks, and more, they've got it. Over 12 years and 2 million Americans have used LegalZoom. Start your business or protect your family today at LegalZoom.com using the offer code NERDIST. I feel like I was blindsided. Because it's a competition show. From the producers of Jury Duty and The Bachelor. We have scoured the earth for the 14 greatest reality contestants that were available during our production window. Comes a reality competition show about reality competition shows. Nobody has dared to find out who is the actual best at just being on a reality show. I'm your host, comedian Daniel Tosh. Is win or go home. Each episode, our contestants will face new challenges that will test their strength and lack of life skills for a chance to win $200 million. $200,000. Prepare, because it's about to be ugly crying. Lots of fighting. Tasha, I have to defend myself. Celebrating 25 years of reality TV with your favorites. I have diarrhea. You cannot do this to me. What in gay hell have I got myself into? The GOAT. Stream free on Amazon Freebie or Prime Video. 